regularly making sure social media platforms are aware of the latest narratives dangerous to public health. You shouldn't be banned from one platform and not others uh, if you are for uh, uh, providing misinformation out there. Algorithms, I don't know how they work, but they all do know how they work. The public has a right to know. That's the point that we're making, and we're dealing with a life or death issue here, and so everybody has a role to play in making sure there's accurate information. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Blue Collar Blacklisted. I'm your host, Stanley Hudson, joined by Captain Reverso and our executive producer, Buford. We are starting out this evening on the Right Side Broadcasting Network, and this is going to shock a lot of people, especially considering the efforts of the entirety of the left, the, the media, and all of them. That's why I said the entirety. <clears throat> New report reveals majority of Americans are concerned about election integrity and cheating. Who would have ever thought that? The more they try to, to convince the, convince you that this was the most secure election of all time, the evidence keeps mounting. U.S. voters are more aware than ever of the dangers of election fraud. According to new data from Rasmussen Reports, 83% of likely voters today are concerned about election integrity ahead of the 2022 midterms. 75% are concerned about election cheating. Since 2020, the election system in the United States has been plagued with overwhelming reports of fraud on almost every level, from ballot trafficking to dubious reports of voting tabulation software from voting machines. In fact, another July report from Rasmussen and the National Pulse found that 50% of Americans believe it is likely that widespread cheating will affect the outcome of the November midterms. So here's a tweet from Rasmussen Reports. Good morning. On Saturday, we posted evidence of 2020 election fraud from two official state investigations. We knew it would be of interest, and our Twitter traffic confirmed it because national voters had already told us this is a top issue for midterms. Voters are awake. And so this is uh, from, from their Twitter post. So this is uh, the issues of concern to the voters. Election integrity, 83% concern, 61% very concerned. School issues, 76% concerned, 58% very concerned. Abortion rights, 75% important, 54% very important. Election cheating, 75% concerned, 53% very concerned. Illegal immigration, 73% important, 42% very important. Then next bracket is of U.S. all U.S. likely voters, U.S. legacy media top midterm issues, climate change, Ukraine war, capital right investigation, COVID-19, LGBTQ issues. And so on the LGBTQ issues, 42% support, 23% strongly support. So I have a question. Yes. U.S. legacy media top midterm issues. So that's what they're pushing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. I just wanted to make yeah, sure to and, clarify and So that. of no natural consequence, would those be of any significant importance to voters without their push? Yeah, so that's so. I guess what that means the the, the actual is, concerns is is the five that I the organic concerns for voters without intervention from the legacy media would be the things in the first bracket: the legal immigration, election cheating, election integrity, school issues, and abortion rights. Yeah, that's the average public's concern, and then the second bracket, what you listed, yes. is what the media is, is pushing. pushing. Yes, yeah, correct. Which completely makes sense as to what's going on. 
Additionally, a May poll found that 55% of U.S. voters at the time believed that cheating changed the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. Now it looks like voters today are more concerned than ever about securing U.S. elections. In 2022, many Americans' exposure to election fraud evidence can be attributed to the proof of ballot trafficking presented in Dinesh D'Souza's hit documentary, 2000 Mules. 2000 Mules detailed evidence related to a massive nationwide ballot trafficking conspiracy that took place during the 2020 presidential election. The film has been so impactful that members of Congress are even demanding that the House Committee on Oversight and Reform hold hearings on potential illegal activities that were uncovered in the film. The Texas GOP further voted to pass a resolution in June to reject the legitimacy of Biden's presidency based on the evidence presented in 2000 Mules. The Maricopa County Republican Committee Executive Governance Committee in Arizona also voted unanimously in early July to reject the certification of the county's 2020 presidential election results, considering reports of fraud and weaknesses. And hit the next one. And so we're going to move straight over to the American Thinker. Headline, this is by uh, Jay Valentine. This is July 20th, 2022. Election heroes are stopping fraudulent voting right now. The soul of the phantom voter fraud is the occasional non-committed voter. They show up at the last minute delivering winning margins. Actually, nobody shows up, nor does anyone return an absentee ballot. The magic comes from a wonderful customer service innovation, the phantom voter concierge, who cast the non-committed voters' votes for them. Let's go there. Voter rolls, and this is what one of the things that these voter integrity groups, and, uh, True the Vote and Greg Phillips is real adamant about, is imploring your, your uh, election boards to purge voter rolls of, of any people that, that, of non-voters you know, dead dead people x y and z and this is this is a good insight into why they do not do that voter rolls are crammed with millions of voters who seldom occasionally or never vote democrat leaning organizations run voter registration drives in edge communities collecting identities they expect will never vote you remember acorn registering drug addicts on city streets you might have said why will why they will never vote They aren't expected to vote. They are simply voter identity placeholders later used by vote harvesters. State-funded groups like ERIC are paid by, that's E-R-I-C, are paid by dozens, pardon me, are paid by a dozen state governments, some with clueless Republican governors to make sure almost nobody has ever taken off voter rolls. ERIC provides institutional cover to this national phantom voter scam. During early voting, our vote harvester pals track those who never vote or have not voted yet and vote for them. In some states like Wisconsin, leftist groups had access to the online voter rolls sometimes nobody else had. They could track every voter and vote for all of them if they did not show up in 2020. Remember the stories in 2020 of people coming out to vote, often for the first time in years to be told, sorry, you've already voted. The voter concierge voted for you, saved you the gas money to drive to the polls. There are people voting from Salvation, and this is all, I remember all these stories. I'm even... uh, Stephen Crowder, they went around after the 2020 election verifying some of these addresses that had been used, and they were vacant parking lots, Salvation Army, the homeless shelters, all sorts of things. <clears throat> there were people voting from Salvation Army food banks who registered at that address 12 years ago. These people are likely dead or living in a tent in Austin now, but still voting. There are people at the Alabama College dorm registered since 1984, still active in voting. In Wisconsin, the voter concierge went to cognitive care facilities where the patients did not recognize their own children. The voter concierge voted voted for them. Now part of a criminal investigation, this is how it's done. So how bad is the problem? 
The Wisconsin Voter Integrity Team did a deep dive using U.S. government and state databases and found 225,000 current voters who had issues. Those included addresses that did not exist, locations that could not be a true registration address like jail, and scores of others. Elections are often decided by 1% of the vote. The Wisconsin team identified potential phantom voters easily able to impact an election. The other half of the scam is sending out absentee ballots to addresses that don't line up. For instance, there may be an apartment building at 145 Essex Street. The ballot harvesting industry registers people there, deliberately skipping their apartment number. Their mail gets returned to, you guessed it, smarty pants. Those absentee ballots accumulate at the local post office. The Wisconsin Voter Integrity Team, one of the best in the country, found evidence that the post office collected those ballots and gave them to the voter concierge to vote. Pretty good USPS customer service. You might think this would be caught with a signature matching. Right. That is why so many states or counties eliminate the signature match like Maricopa County in Arizona. Your blood is boiling right now. You just don't get it. This is the customer service on a whole new level. The voter concierge gets votes counted, even if the voter never cast that vote. Voter integrity teams are now applying advanced computer technology to thwart the voter concierge by deep cleaning the rolls. In 2022, the vote harvesting industry will again flood the zone in swing counties with over 250,000 new registrants from September to November. Several voter integrity teams using advanced artificial intelligence technology can check every registrant at silicon speed against over 30 databases with a billion records ensuring that the registrant is not living in an RV park, a church, or a UPS store, and that his address meets current legal standards. Sorry, Beto, but registering every immigrant, I'm sorry, itinerant is no longer the key to the Texas governor's mansion. For the first time, phantom voters are being identified before their registrations take effect. Living in an apartment where you do not designate the apartment number? Sorry, pal, you aren't voting this year. Registering from a church? There had better be enough bathrooms to meet the certificate occupancy requirements for that county. More voters showing up in a county than are eligible citizens? Flagged hourly. Alert issues before the ballots are counted. As ballots arrive during early voting, artificial intelligence snapshots aggregate voter identities. That guy who voted on day two in person disappeared on snapshot eight, reappeared on snapshot 11 with his ballot changed to absentee, is identified. Before that ballot is tabulated, it is red flagged and the voter integrity team files a protest. 35,000 inactive voters changed to active, then voted, then changed to inactive again. The AI system picks this up with a snapshot analysis. That scam is over. For the first time, voter integrity teams have technology ballot harvesters cannot outrun. When Sheriff Clark and Mike Lindell started supporting these kinds of technologies after the 2020 election, the focus was on voter roll anomalies. Anomalies were abundant. The battlefield has changed to real-time analysis driven by artificial intelligence. The combined knowledge of a dozen gifted voter integrity teams with 16 months of experience is built into an artificial intelligence engine identifying phantom voters before they are registered, before they can illegally vote. Every time a fake vote is cast in a voter concierge, an American is disenfranchised. Artificial intelligence helps the good guys protect the vote and gives confidence to all Americans that the elections are legit. Voter integrity teams learned that chasing 2020 voter fraud after the election is too late. Some leading election integrity teams are stopping phantom voter fraud before it impacts elections. Cleaning up voter rolls just became an AI-driven real-time endeavor. So, like, to, to, to go back and to, to our discussion last week about what, what action is being taken, what people are doing to fight, what's being done, and, and there are some aspects I don't... I like this. I'm not a fan of AI, and I like old paper ballots 
day of voting is, is what I would prefer, but we're not going to get that. But this is obviously a massive step because and the thing like is too, George Bush, Al Gore, paper ballots. Okay. Let, let, let me finish. <laughs> uh, so this is uh, obviously, and, and like, well, the reality is this, we're not getting away from technology and it depends who's controlling said technology to, to a certain degree. But if they can process litigation based off of these findings, you can have some some semblance of a permanent resolution to this problem. Meaning, convict these people, prosecute them. Oh, yeah, I think if that actually happened, just like with anything else, if there were actually, if you were being held responsible for your actions, people would think twice about doing said things. Yeah. And and so one of the things on True Social, I, I follow Greg Phillips, the guy, the which he, he's he's got a lot of things going on, but he was the guy that that, that compiled the data in two thousand mules with the beard and, and all that. But he was talking about using their technology for this. Uh, I can't remember what this event that just happened was, and Trump spoke at it. And I think we're going to have a clip later from Matt Gates from the same event. But they had some the again the fake Nazi slash white supremacists show up to this event. They were anticipating it, so he's going to use his ping technology to identify who those people are. And so in the same regard as what you're describing with people cheating elections and then doing these fraudulent th- these fraudulent actors that are trying to paint a conservative conference as a white supremacist conference, once they're identified, people will be a lot more hesitant in the future to engage in that type of behavior knowing you could be outed. Just, just And even if there's no prosecution for something like that, obviously— it would be a, a, a good – nobody wants to be outed for being a fraud. And so that's the thing. The mainstream media is beautiful. They don't even have to pick it up. Once you've been identified as somebody that's doing this, dude, you're tainted. And then you, you can try to repetitively do it, but everybody – it doesn't work because everybody's already out. That matters. You're not going to win anybody over no matter what the mainstream media is doing real people reading real news and processing real information, and there's a lot of us, and that number is growing every day, know that this is fraudulent. No, you're not winning anybody over with this very contrived and obvious shtick. Because it was uh, Glenn Youngkin, we, we talked about how the, the fake white supremacist showed up to his opponent. In, or, I'm sorry, what it was. It was a Glenn Youngkin rally, and we, we talked about this when it happened. And this, I don't know if it was the same fact or not, but it's these, these uh, khaki pants polo shirt, fake white supremacist, all masked up, probably half feds, show up and are hanging out in front of his bus and like yeah, taking yeah, pictures yeah, and all that. Yeah. The, the same thing. Uh-huh. So basically they did the same type of thing at this, this last conference this week. And so Greg Phillips is going to use their technology to identify who those people are. Awesome. Yeah, and so, and, and, but now this, this specifically that we just read is a different type of technology that, that is separate from what they're doing. And so... I, I, I did this to kind of illustrate some of the things that are going on. And everybody wants to go back to 2020. And just like it said, the horse has left the barn. There's no, and again, they, they'll, there's more and more counties doing the symbolic measure just described here to, to not recognize the 2020 election is legitimate. But that's not going to do anything of any substance. That's, that's, again, that's symbolic. But <clears throat> moving on. Uh, actually, JC sent me this, dude, and I thought this was interesting, and I, I don't want to get on too, too big of a tirade, and I believe that we've talked about it on here before, but, um, you know, social media, mainly Facebook and whatnot, 
I've implored people, especially at the beginning of our show in the in the early in the early episodes, to keep domain over your personal information. There's a lot of stuff, and I don't have any stories on it this evening, but there was a lot of talk about it this week because there was uh, information that came out where China, and we I, actually I think that we've talked about this in the past, where they are able to use people's DNA to create biological weapons to target very, very specific types of people and even up to an individual person with a biological agent. Yes, and they're even known for purchasing some of these companies that... Right. The DNA yeah, the DNA companies. testing yeah. companies. So, yes. like, when you're sending your saliva to 23andMe because you want to know who your daddy is, in the same vein, stuff that's easy to keep domain over your personal information. One of the things that I've always talked about, uh, I don't know that I've talked about necessarily on here, but I think it's very important... With the advent of social media, private privacy became not so cool anymore for a lot of different reasons that I could expound on for way more time than we have this evening. But mainly, it's always confounded me with firearms, like people showing off their firearms on Facebook and known leftist organization that's anti-gun. And this isn't how this occurred, but this this is a step further than that. But uh, this is Eric Schmidt, uh, turn, Missouri, Missouri Attorney General, and this is on his newsletter. So here, Missouri Attorney General condemns FBI's illegal attempts to harvest concealed carry permit information from Missouri sheriffs. Jefferson City, Missouri. Today, Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt sent a letter to FBI Director Christopher Ray demanding that they cease their attempts to illegally obtain information from local sheriffs of Missourians who have concealed carry permits. Missouri law specifically prohibits the sharing of information on concealed carry permit holders to any entity local, state, federal, or otherwise. The FBI has absolutely no business poking around the private information of those who have obtained a concealed carry permit in Missouri, said Attorney General Schmidt. The Second Amendment rights of Missourians will absolutely not be infringed on my watch. I will use the full power of my office to stop the FBI, which has become relentlessly politicized and has virtually no credibility from illegally prying around personal information of Missouri gun owners. The Missouri Attorney General's office became aware that the FBI is planning to travel to Missouri in August to do, quote, audits at sheriff departments across the state, which would include harvesting information on those who have legally obtained a concealed carry permit, the letter states. It has come to my intention that the Federal Bureau of Investigation has informed several Missouri County sheriffs that they will be showing up in August to audit CCW permit holder records. The FBI states that the audit includes an on-site review of your concealed carry weapons permits. Let me be perfectly clear. Allowing federal agents from the FBI to have access to records of Missourians who have a permit to carry a concealed weapon violates Missouri law and infringes on our Second Amendment rights. Missouri law states, Information retained in the concealed carry permit system under this subsection shall not be distributed to any federal, state, or private entities. At the end of the letter, Attorney General Smith promises to use the full power of the office to stop the FBI's attempts to obtain information on Missouri concealed carry weapons permit holders. What could you imagine would be the purpose behind that, especially the, the, the FBI with the absolute, complete lack of trust? Uh, which, I mean, even if they were trusted, this is, you know what I mean? This alone is a massive, massive overreach. Yeah, they want a list, obviously. They want to know everybody that has it. Yeah. I wonder why they would want to do that. And not only like that, like, oh, we're here for an audit. What else do you have? Yeah. yeah. Do you have food provisions put away? Uh-huh. So. Just like what Mark Goodwin talks about in his books. Yeah. And and so, and 
to get back to what I was saying, keep your private information private. And again, that, that doesn't necessarily have everything to do with this because this is a, this is a massive overreach. But glorifying your gun collection on so, a social, especially a leftist social media website, and just willingly handing out your DNA information or your information on whatever uh, firearms you may own is a is a terrible, terrible idea. And I know lots of people do it. But I don't know, man. I just think that that's a really private matter that should remain private. I know. It's and, so stupid. And, like, I was watching an episode of First 48, like we've talked about on here before. And mm-hmm. like your family member says, they were trying to solve a murder. They get on Facebook. They find the guy on Facebook flaunting the gun around. Mm-hmm. They go, and they arrest him. Yeah. Has the gun in his room. There was some rapper, and I can't remember where it was. That I read the story. All of them. Yeah. Well, as a rapper, I mean, there was only media thing, but anyway. But the guy put on Instagram, "I'm going to be home at this time and where he lived. If if you want to come get, quote unquote, come get this smoke, whatever that means. I've heard fighters use it like, you don't want this smoke, about like weed or something. No, I think like if if a fighter, for an example, was to say you don't want, it's a, such a dumb term. It's embarrassing for me to use it. <laughs> you want to get this smoke? That means like. Do you want to come get a piece of this? Like, you want to fight? Like, it's just the current terminology for whatever. And so the the, the rapper guy, or aspiring whatever he was, I don't know. I, everybody's a rapper this day and age. In fact, I've got a pretty extensive rap catalog myself of, of my <laughs> really? rap. Yeah, I mean, it would, it would bedazzle you, BB bedazzle you. No, but the guy... He he tells him to come get the smoke, and so they uh, they went and killed him, and he died. So he actually got the smoke, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's one of the things that's so all... So he went up and smoked. And now is the perfect time to remind you that you can find us on the internet at bcblpodcast.com. You can email us, info at bcblpodcast.com. Find us on True Social at Blue Collar Blacklisted Podcast. If you'd like to call us, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time every Friday... 561-363-6060. Except for today, because it's Thursday. It's usually Friday, but Captain Reverso has to go on vacation. Come on, man. Hey, look, I'm Jelly. I would love to have... That's right, I said Jelly. I thought you were going to say cookie dough milkshake. <laughs> Do they make those? I just get the two scoops. Well, Baskin Robin does. Two-gallon scoops. <laughs> Can I get it in a milkshake form, though? Because the cookie dough can't make it through That's a straw. too much exercise for you to chew, isn't it? You just got to <laughs> slurp it down. Yeah, I ain't trying to burn no calories, dude. That's out. We are on the New York Post. Hey, like our podcast. Hey, pl- I haven't even checked. We I need to look. We need the five-star ratings. We need the subscriptions, right? Yeah. And a review, please. What? It's no skin off your back. Bing, bang, boom. Click the button. Five-star rating. We deserve it. If we don't deserve it... Five-star rating. Five-star rating. (laughs) Thank you. That's it. New York Post. Mexico City residents angered by influx of Americans speaking English, gentrifying the area. You know a thing or two about Mexico, right? I do. I used to live there. An influx of Californians and other... Until they ran me out. (laughs) Well, you you ain't going to be the last, apparently. An influx of Californians and other Americans has made its way to Mexico City, angering some locals who say they are gentrifying the area, according to a report. The Los Angeles Times report on Wednesday outlined how some Mexicans, lo- sorry, how Mexican locals are fed up 
with a growing number of Americans, many from California. Hey, look, dude, I share your pain. The shoe's on the other foot now. <laughs> it is, but I don't want any California. Dude, take your Californians and yeah, keep them. Skedaddle on out of here, dude. Amen. I, I feel, I feel your pain. Take them down to Chile. I feel your pain, uh, senor. <laughs> I'm such a hick, dude. It's not senor. How do you say it? Senor. Senor. I, I, I'm feeling your pain, senor. Mine. So anyway. Now, some Mexican locals are fed up with a growing number of Americans, many from California, moving to and visiting the country, which has contributed to a rise in rent and a shift from Spanish to English in some places. New to the city, working remotely, flyers popping up around Mexico City reportedly said, <laughs> you're an effing plague and the locals effing hate you. Leave. The article outlines how Americans have brought a sense. I have a question. All right, go ahead. Are they saying that in English or Spanish? I, I think it's in English. I just wonder if the article is translated. Well, no, the signs, they put them up for the Americans so they're in English. I'm just kidding. It's a joke, man. Come on. The article outlines how Americans have brought a scent of new wave imperialism as, what is that word? Taquera? What is that? Taquerias. Taquerias. I knew that. And corner stores have slowly transformed into coffee shops and Pilates studios. Oh, yeah, you know their libs. (laughs) English is also reportedly becoming more prevalent as more Americans are moving to and visiting Mexico City to take advantage of lower rent and the ability to stay in Mexico for six months without a visa. <laughs> yeah, shoe on the other foot is right. We're the only brown people, Fernando Bustos Gorospi, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, give me some credit. A 38-year-old writer and university professor told the Los Angeles Times, we're the only people speaking Spanish except the waiters. Bustos later posted a video on TikTok saying the influx of Americans stinks of modern colonialism and nearly 2,000 people responded in agreement. Mexico is classist and racist, Busto added. People with white skin are given preference. Now, if a local wants to go to a restaurant or a club, they don't just have to compete with rich white Mexicans, but with foreigners too. The article also pointed to a social media post where a young American said, Quote, do yourself a favor and remote work in Mexico City is truly magical. The tweet received many negative responses. Please don't, one of the replies said. This city is becoming more and more expensive every day in part because of people like you, and you don't even realize or care about it. While the Los Angeles Times report insisted that the vast majority of Mexico City locals are unwaveringly kind to visitors, there remains a friction between the surface of what gentrification means to the area. There's a distinction between people who want to learn about the place that they are in and those who just like it because it's cheap, said 31-year-old Hugo Van, whatever his last name, Dermirway, right? Hey, no, dude, that's totally legit. Our Hispanic listeners will absolutely agree. Guaranteed. It's okay. He grew up in Florida. (laughs) Okay. A man who grew up in Florida and... See, he's not even Hispanic. Who has been working remotely in Mexico City. I've met a number of people who don't really care that they're in Mexico. They just care that it's cheap. Wait until they come across the cartel. They'll all leave. The State Department reports that there are 1.6 million Americans living in Mexico, many of them coming during the coronavirus pandemic when Mexico eased restrictions sooner than many places in the United States, but it remains unknown how many of those Americans are in Mexico City. The Los Angeles Times says that in the first four months of this year, 1.2 million foreign visitors arrived at Mexico City's airport. We're just seeing Americans flooding in. 
said Alexander Demu, who runs the relocation company Welcome Home Mexico. It's people who maybe have their own business or maybe they're thinking of starting some consulting or freelance work. They don't even know how long they're going to stay. They are completely picking up their entire lives and just moving down here. Mo added that she receives 50 calls a week from people thinking about moving to Mexico City. Dude, I'm thinking about moving there. Lauren Rodwell, who moved to Mexico City from San Francisco's Mission neighborhood, says she is sensitive to the gentrification issue but doesn't feel guilty as a black woman. I kind of feel like, as a person of color from America, I'm so economically disadvantaged that wherever I go and experience some advantage or equity, I take it, Rodwell said, adding that being black in America is exhausting. And it's nice to take a break from it. Yeah, don't let the door hit you in the end. The Los Angeles Times reported a similar situation in Portugal earlier this year in a story titled, Welcome to Portugal, the New Expat Haven. Californians, please go home. In the article, the outlet reported that the number of Americans living in Portugal has risen 45% in the past year, and many residents, uh, I'm not done, have been frustrated by rising housing costs associated with that. And there was a reason I had this story. Because I want, I, I want to look at this contrast. We really need to do a deep dive backwards on this we're on breitbart new york democrat and we talked about this last week this is yeah. new this is not regurgitated this is fresh material because he's changed yet again new york democrat eric adams get on board with illegal immigration influx of schools hospitals and neighborhoods and we've got a video for you we're just going to listen to his own words and i'll cut it short this is kind of long he does make a, a, a lot of things that that bear uh discussing how are you good um, you talked a lot last week about the increased population coming into the homeless shelter system. Um, what is the excess capacity like in that system? And can you talk about, like, what, what are you doing to add beds and how many additional beds are needed? Uh, uh, <laughs> number one, um, this is an opportunity uh, for New Yorkers to move away from not in my backyard. Uh, we all must share the crisis. Our approach has been to uh, divide up the homeless issue even prior to uh, the asylum seekers by councilmatic districts. We presented to all the council persons, we had a, a meeting with all the council persons, and we showed them the shelters they have in their locations. And we said, let's partner together as we deal with this New York problem. These are our neighbors. And we have to identify as a council person, partner with us and tell us where would you like to shelter in your district, particularly those who had little or no shelters. Now with this influx of people seeking asylum and support, uh, now we have to go beyond that. We're looking at the potential of emergency shelters in hotels, in other facilities, we want to get our faith-based uh, community involved. Uh, if there was ever an all-hands-on-deck moment, this is it. This is it. Um, our system is, was inundated uh, with, uh, you know, those who were seeking shelter because of the callousness of those uh, other states that pushed them out. We're here, we're receiving them, and uh, everyone is going to have to be on, on board. And we can't have uh, the historical, um, I believe people should be housed, but just don't house them on my block. Everyone blocked, everyone's block is going to be impacted by this. And so we have to add our advocacy, 
uh, with our uh, ability to help our neighbors. And we need everyone on board with this, you know, because uh, as I stated last week, our schools are going to be impacted. Our health care system is going to be impacted. Uh, our infrastructure is going to be impacted. Uh, but we're willing to do our job, and we're going, we're going to do our job, and we're going to need all New Yorkers to be with us on this. I think this is going to be a gorgeous, beautiful, blossoming opportunity for pontificating lily white bread elitist liberals to practice what they preach. And so when he's talking about the callousness of other states, and we discussed that last week, you are all too happy to allow that quote unquote diversity that is our strength to flourish there while you watch from however many thousand miles away. It was okay. And now, you're referring to it as a crisis. It's a total crisis. But now it wasn't a crisis when it was occurring in those border states. Not a crisis. It was, but not according to you. Yeah, so everyone's block is going to be impacted. So is his block going to be impacted where he lives? No, it is won't. his children's school going to be impacted? Absolutely not. Uh, but that's not everyone. He's not going to talk about that. We're just going to ignore that. That's what they always do. We're going to ignore that. George Clooney would be a great example. You know, all about the migrants and so, and I can't remember where it is in Greece or wherever it was and what migrants and asylum seekers, but they were congregated below his villa man- mansion deal. Yeah, the government get rid of him. <laughs> He's such a rotten piece of shit. You have him like sink their boat or something. I don't know, dude. It's just because it, his wife is. It's just this. This the hypocrisy. That's one of the things, though, with the entirety of the left. It's steeped in absolute, unadulterated, pure, unfiltered hypocrisy. That's what it's large. Like, the main component. If you boil this down and distill it to to its most basic thing, leftism is it's, it's hypocrisy. It's just double standard hypocrisy. And when you listen to this dude speak. And I, I'm not even saying his dialect or his, his speech pattern or anything like that. Like, the best that you can come up with is that it was callousness that drove them to bust them there. This is a Democrat project. Democrats are the ones behind ripping the anything, stripping everything to do with border security away for this to occur. But it's the callousness of the states that are most affected by it to send them to the place the places of the people who implemented said policy and glorified and sanctioned that policy. Again, just absolute hypocrisy. You deal with it. Dude, you want this? Cool. Merry Christmas. Now you've got a new pet project. We don't want it. And so look at, but now keep in mind, and I have to wonder, is there any faction inside of Mexico, governmental or otherwise, that's telling the citizens to stop being quote-unquote racist about the lily white bread Honks coming down there and setting up shop. No. They hate their guts. They don't but see for you to say, dude, I want you to come here legally. Oh, that's that's a terrible thing. Dude, Mexico, and we've always known this the whole time. Dude, they don't want you strolling up in here, dude, taking advantage of, of their home. And I don't blame them. But likewise, y'all don't need it. This this needs to be a controlled process. It has nothing to do with being racist. This is absolutely reckless. It's recklessness. And so Republicans love the cheap labor and Democrats love the stolen votes, dude. That's And that's 
my estimation. That's what I view this as. And so both political parties sanctioned this this phenomenon. They Otherwise, this would have stopped a long time ago. And I think that's one of the primary reasons the the, the establishment system expunged Donald Trump the way that it did. Yeah. So just one of several reasons. The way I mean, the way he, he dealt with foreign countries, which is the way it should have been done, is the reason the system expunged him. And this 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 is a really good example of of how that corruption is rooted. So we're just gonna go ahead and move this one slot forward into this week's the adults are back in charge. And uh, this is Corinne Jean-Pierre sparring with Peter Ducey again on uh, the migrant issues because they're, they're wanting to use the National Guard now to, in D.C. The mayor in D.C. is who's also receiving, getting, getting these migrants. Bowser. Yeah. And so now they're, they're freaking out. Which sounds cinematic. I mean, it sounds like a video game. I guess because Bowser is who you fight in Mario. Surprised you know that. I used to play Mario when I was a kid. The original? Yeah. 8-bit Nintendo Entertainment System? That's it. N-E-S. Roll it. D.C. Mayor sent the White House a letter asking for National Guard help with migrants that have been bused here from Texas and Arizona. Is the president going to approve that request for the National Guard? So, as uh, to your question on the National Guard, I refer you to the Department of Defense. They will have uh, that answer for you. Uh, we have been in regular touch with Mayor Bowser and her team. Uh, and I said this before. I said this last week about Republicans using migrants uh, as a political tool, uh, and that is shameful, and that is just wrong. Uh, there is a process. What? So you're not now. Keep in mind, the Democrats are absolutely not using them as a political tool. She looks so defeated standing there. God, I gotta uh, do this again. You're exactly right. She's she looks completely different than she did when she first took office. Oh, she's not bubbly. Defeated is a good word. She looks defeated. She looks frustrated. She looks tired. She looks angry. It looks like her soul has been sucked out with a straw. Yeah, she but she she doesn't look near as her her spine is is bent over. Yeah, she should see a chiropractor. I don't think it's going to help. I think her spirit is is is, is <laughs> pulling down. It's, it's it's trying to get into the ground and under the stage and just hide. Let it roll, dude. Process in place for managing migrants at the border. This is not it. What they're doing currently uh, that that includes expelling migrants as required by court order under Title 42, uh, transferring them to ICE custody or placing them in the care of local NGOs as they await further pro- pro- uh, processing. Again, so what Republicans are doing, the way that they're meddling in the process and using uh, migrants as a political pawn is just wrong. So the White House's preference would be for small towns and Texas in Arizona to have to take care of these migrants rather than a large metropolitan that is city not what like I said. Washington, D.C. That is not what I said. That is not what you said. No, that is not. I said that there is... Migrants. Yeah, they are. They're sending migrants to big cities on purpose, so using they, them as a political ploy. So if they don't go to big cities, where should they there's go? There's a process. I just there's, laid it out. There's, there's a, process, a process. And they come to a big city, and now that, that the mayor says she needs the National that again. Guard. Now, that, that, and to say there's a process, there absolutely is a process. It's a process for people to come here legally. And so the idea idea that when you see all these you 20 you know 18 to 35 year old males in these convoys just piling across the border that and oh we're seeking asylum no no you're not you guys invited them here you know what i mean that it, remember that they were coming across originally with the biden shirts on and so 
to to say that it's Republicans meddling in the process is absolutely preposterous. And then she referenced ICE. As, oh, the, the process involves ICE. Wait a minute, ICE, the one that the Democrats wanted to abolish? Abolish ICE, but now you want them to be part of said process. Like, wh- again, the hypocrisy. With If you remove the hypocrisy, the Democrat Party doesn't exist anymore. It's doublespeak constantly. Let's finish this. That's because that's because Republicans are using they're using migrants who are coming here for who knows uh, because they are they're they're dealing with humanitarian issues back in their country they're coming here for a better life and they are being used Peter they're being used by Republican governors does, that is what's happening. Does any of this just make the president want to say this is causing a lot of burdens on small cities, big cities, maybe I should just close the border. What I'm saying is what Republicans are doing is wrong, and there is a process in place, and we should follow the process. There is a legal process in place, and they should follow it. Just like there's a legal process to come here to this country. Right, and you're talking about their fleeing a humanitarian crisis, which is I I would submit that is not true. That's not accurate. They're coming here to take advantage, number one, in my opinion. Number two, if it is a humanitarian crisis, how do you transfer that many millions of people here and not also have a humanitarian crisis? Do you just transfer the, the ticket and the tab to the American taxpayer? Why did you do that? And you think this is comprehensive leadership, We're in a, and which, by the way, as of today, we're officially in a recession. We've had negative GDP for two consecutive, but they tried to redefine that, by the way. And this... Situations like this absolutely don't help any of that because, again, you took what you said was a crisis there even if, and because I don't think there was any substantive crisis that specifically that anybody's fleeing, but you're absolutely creating one here because the people don't just come from Mexico. They're coming from all over South America. You have Middle Eastern. They're coming from all over the world. You've got people from the Middle East and Africa coming across the border. I think at one point you had some people from the uh, Caribbean the ones with the where they said they were all they're whipping these people because they're black and none of that oh, ended up Haitian. being real Haitians, yes. Yeah. So, it's, but I digress. It's it's absolute nonsense. That brings us to everybody's favorite person of every week. She's amazing. <laughs> that was very sincere, Reverso. And we're just gonna let it rip. Hit it. Cause you already know who we're talking about. The best vice president ever, baby. Oh, yeah. There we go. I want to welcome these leaders for coming in to have this very important discussion um, about some of the most pressing issues of our time. Um, I am Kamala Harris. My pronouns are she and her. I am a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. Wait, to figure that out. Like always, we're gonna have to listen to that at least two more times as we we discuss. Like, dude, you got five seconds of sheer, well, twenty two seconds of sheer stupidity, and we can spend five minutes easily talking about it. You ready to hear it again? <laughs> so this is some kind of LGBTQIAP plus blue blah meeting of some sort. So yes, I am ready to hear it again, but I will ask you to pause in just a second. Go ahead. Good afternoon. I want to welcome these leaders for coming in to have this very important discussion um, about some okay. of the most pressing. If it's a very important discussion, and it's not, but if it was, you would have zero business in it because you're a moron, dude. And I was actually having a discussion on True Social. It was a debate whether you know that people wanted Joe Biden something to happen to him that would 
calls her to to take the lead role, which again, all the polling, the Demo- like the majority of Democrats want her gone. I think Biden's people want her gone. There's conflict. I think there was conflict since the beginning of this fake administration with Biden's staff and her staff. She can't keep a staff. It's a revolving door of people that hate this woman's guts because she's a moron and she's. I would love to see her in the hot seat, just because she's absolved herself of any major responsibility. So the Afghanistan withdrawal that we that still needs to be discussed. All that I mean, it never needs to be forgotten. The then they drone the family of ten. By the way, that again just doesn't get talked about anymore. She has uh, the border crisis. She's avoided any major responsibility, role, and visibility and connection to any of those instances. And if she was in the hot seat, if she took the presidency over, she wouldn't be able to do that anymore. Her polling, believe it or not, is is significantly lower, and it has been for a long time, than Joe Biden. How is that even possible? I was going to ask the same thing. So what would you imagine would happen if she did take the lead role? It would go, dude, it's, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And that would go negative? Absolutely, and it would be detrimental to the the Democrat Party for decades to come. People ain't going to forget this idiot. That they got to get her out of there. This is my pronouns are what'd you say? She, her, and I'm a woman sitting in a chair wearing a blue suit. And so, yeah. And the thing is, you look, man. There is no, and this is this applies to so many things that we talk about with these people. It is so far off the ranch of reality that there's no need for an in-depth breakdown or analysis, discussion, or eloquent words, you're an idiot. This is the dumbest nonsense I've ever heard in my life. What the is wrong with you people? You like that edit? I sure did. And so, this it's just, and by the way, the translator looks like Mayorkas anyway. Is that him? Is he, <laughs> is they pulling double duty? Anyway, they are double duty. D-O- O-D-I-E. And, um, I am Kamala Harris. My pronouns are she and her. I am a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. She had to look down to see what color her suit was. Like, what are your pronouns? I don't have any. I don't go by that stuff. My pronouns are <laughs> desirable. I am wearing a black t-shirt. Blue jeans, and I'm that sitting. Has in a, I'm sitting. Ice cream stains all over. <laughs> and I'm sitting in a red chair, speaking through a Rode microphone connected to a Rode soundboard. What brand is that? Epson projector. What do you think? Hey, what? Who makes this boom? Rode. Rode boom. Do we are outfit? By the way, we are decked out in this studio. And now, before we go into our signature segment that everybody loves so much, and we're gonna have a bonus segment after it. That's new. Uh, it's a good time to say, please uh, subscribe, like, share, and leave us a review. And at the minimum, just give us a rating, five stars. And find us at bcblpodcast.com. Email us info at bcblpodcast.com and true social at blue collar blacklisted podcast. And this is not going to be, you're not going to like this first dealio. And well, I'll tell you what. Ladies and gentlemen, this is This Week in Idiot, Cross-Dressing, Confused, Moron, Pervert, Democrat, The Job Wackos.
going on reverse are you, are you constipated yeah all right no problem dude everybody's been there except for me never have been so and i don't know this is a ted talk we probably have somebody in the segment that can help you with that <laughs> <laughs> hey look that was good this is a uh, a tweet stand for logic i don't this is some sort of a ted talk i don't know this is obviously some kind of uh letter people ted talk thing and Likewise, like just like I said before, I don't need a, a, a an eloquent breakdown. For twenty plus years, I've said that legalizing gay, and I don't care what anybody thinks, dude. It is what it is. So you you cannot go back legalize gay marriage. And when they call it a slippery slope, these people aren't full of crap. Like that would in, in, inevitably lead to a myriad of worse things. And so everybody, myself included at the time, said this would lead to legalized pedophilia. Called all kinds of names. That's that's bigotry. Never going to happen. I remember very specific instances of people telling me how foolish that was. That would never happen. And like I said last week, we're currently blowing right through that station at full steam. And this is uh, a minute and 59 seconds. And again, this is... Um, so scholars say pedophilia is now a sexual orientation that should be accepted by members of society. And this is, again, I'm, I'm not sure where this TED Talk is. And this is n- not unique to this one woman. This this um, thought thought process has already played out at seminars in Europe for a couple of years. And th- there's a strong, strong push to lower the age of consensual sex to appease wackos like this right here. So go ahead and hit it. Most of us feel discomfort when we think about pedophiles. But just like pedophiles, we are not responsible for our feelings. We do not choose them. Can, can you pause that for a second? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. One of the things that I want to expound on when I said that opening piece was the natural conclusion that I drew 20 plus years ago is that if you are born a homosexual and people have to respect it because you're supposedly born that way, and this is why people said it was a crazy thought process and bigoted, is that if if you're born that way and you cannot control your sexual compulsion, you cannot be held responsible to any degree, whatever your sexual compulsion is, and other people have to accept it, what would be the difference? Because if sexual, if, if, if abnormal sexual behavior is something from birth, which I don't believe that it is, that's my opinion, what would be the difference with people? You couldn't hold people guilty for being born with a desire to, to, to have sex with children. That I don't, it, that is logical to me by the, your standard, not mine. If people are born this way and they can't control it and this, this, this uh, sexual quote-unquote preference must, must be respected, this was a natural conclusion and that's what she's saying. Dude, I, this, is, this, this woman is describing what I called from a thousand yards out 20 years ago. And it wasn't just me. There were some other people at that time, but... I digress. Let's, let's continue. I'm sorry. It's about our actions. And we must make a decision. It is an our responsibility to reflect and to overcome 
our negative feelings about pedophiles and to treat them with the same respect we treat other people with. We should accept that pedophiles are people who have not chosen their sexuality and who, unlike most of us, will never be able to live it out freely if they want to lead an upright life. We should accept that pedophilia is a sexual preference. Statistics indicate that there will be one or two of you who are struggling with some form of pedophilic interest. These people can't talk about their feelings because they know that they will be hated for it. I truly do believe that every person is longing for love at some point in their life. And what if this love that you really wish for will forever be impossible? That must be a really lonely situation to be in. Yes, from an emotional point of view, I can kind of understand that you want to, would want to eliminate these people from society. However, it doesn't make sense. And that's because we're talking about biology. We're talking about a sexual orientation, something that we simply cannot change. And on top of that, every day, new people are born with the same difficulty. So it's not practical to eliminate these people from society. They haven't done anything wrong. So what are these two women vested interest? Are they pedophiles? I don't, I, I don't imagine that they are. I want to, I didn't talking, think they were because they're, they're talking about scholars. I'm sure these are one of the letter people, you know, that, that specialize in, in the letter people, issues of gender and, and again there was always a natural conclusion to this this nonsensical story from its inception it was always going to be this and so she's saying that uh the society hates these people again that's her applying the moniker of hate i don't hate gay people that's a moniker you apply you you can't pretend she says it's an emotional thing to hate them Ostr ostracizing them is a natural a natural course in a civilized society, civilized people would ostracize someone that wants to have sex with their children. And likewise, this isn't complicated. You can have a TED Talk. You can be quote-unquote educated. You can have whatever degree that you have in this sexual nonsense. It's stupid. It's dopey nonsense. This, this deserves, in, in, as far as mainstream society is concerned, zero attention unfortunately these people are are closely connected to the ones holding the levers of power in the world period not just here everywhere it's the end goal beats the hell out of me outside of tearing down the morality of this country number one to more easily exert control because dude to, to think that this is positive and this is okay obviously makes us worse off because the fixation with all things sexual in, in the world and in our country specifically is making us worse off. goes back to our conversation last week. And I'm not going to go... Sure. No, go ahead. I'm not going to go all sure. down That's good. and have that big... Uh, big rant like we did last week but i mean it's man it's inevitable no country lasts forever 
Well, this is going to be roundly rejected. This, this, this is not going to take root in this country. I guarantee it. Like, it, and again, we don't have to get into that big discussion, and we're free to disagree. We don't have to agree on everything. If we did, it would be a boring show. But um, this, this will not gain the steam that it takes for popularity. Um, and just like we saw the the backlash I referenced last week, in, in relation to election happenings. This will never, this will never take root here to any meaningful degree, and in my opinion, I hope it doesn't. I, I surely hope it doesn't. Um, and I, I will do what it takes and fight tooth and nail against it. I had, I had one more in relation to this, so let's just move to the next one real quick. And it's the only thing I think for today on the Gateway Pundit. I'm trying. I'm in rehab. Soros Open Society Foundation employee brags about having sex with multiple men at Pride event, then blames government after catching monkeypox and gonorrhea. Play stupid, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. A public health expert and director of George Soros' Open Society Foundation told The Guardian how he had sex with several men during NYC Pride festivities. Good place to bring your kids, by the way, they say. Then he blamed the government after contracting both monkeypox and gonorrhea. So, yeah, and you talk about earlier, you were talking about how everybody posts everything on Facebook. Why would you put that on there for? Exactly. And this dude's talking about how he's having sex with seven other dudes and gets monkeypox and gonorrhea. Well, because they don't want to stop having sex. They want the government to stop the monkeypox so they can continue having sex. Uh, and if, so if, explain to me again how America is different from Rome. This is New York. New York and California, neither count. We're going to have to separate them out. Okay. And I will forever go back to that, by the way. It's fine. Okay. I'll win in the end. Which, I when I win, both. America wins. This debate, this argument. Okay. Reverso, whose side are you on? Oh, I'm on America's side. I'm saying, in, in, in who do you think is... Uh, is I think we're uh, crashing and burning. Okay, that's fine. I don't, I don't see us pulling out. According to a post from Andy No, Sebastian Cohn is one of the directors at George Soros' Open Society Foundation. He is the current division director, signature initiatives at Soros Soros's Open Society Foundation. And so, there's his post, which that's fine print. So, do you think Andy No attends these events too? I think he does to cover them. He's a homosexual. Uh, yeah, I, I know. I mean, do you think he participates? I, I don't know. Maybe. I know one thing, and we talked about him here before, the Dave Rubin guy. Don't like him. Don't care nothing about him. I think he's awful. The one that's doing the test tube baby thing. Like, oh, and all yeah. these quote-unquote conservatives yeah. are kissing his butt. Nah, dude, not me. Like, mm-mm. Yeah. I don't. I'm not taking this guy seriously, dude. Not, like that's the thing too. Like, oh, you speak conservative, but then you're 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 disrupt. You're you're creating this terrible scenario for a child. It's very very weird. So like, Glenn Beck and all these other people, like, oh, you're you're just like it's a good thing. I struggle with it, but now I understand. I think what you're you're gonna make you're, y'all are gonna make great fathers. Like, uh, man, that's no different than leading by example to your children. Yeah, it's that's a, that's like telling your kids. Do as I say, not as I do. Well, dude, and, and this may make a lot of people angry, and, and I don't care. I've I've always somewhat liked Ben Shapiro, um, but his 
his interaction with with uh, Dave Rubin on over really on anything after like I, I just don't want anything to do with you, dude. Like that's the thing. Like oh, because we both think and speak the same on certain issues means that we need to collaborate. No, dude, you just because you agree on certain political issues doesn't mean that I'm going to accept the entirety of what you're doing because I think what you're doing with those children is so bad. It's worthy of said ostracization. I don't need nothing to do with you, dude. That's a sick thing that shouldn't even be occurring. I think it's a, a nasty, weird, oddball thing to sit there and talk about what they're doing. And, and Brad, oh, we got a lot of sperm. Or like, and, and go into detail about explaining the process of what you're making these test tube babies with your weird sperm. It's just odd, dude. It's so weird. And I have no idea why any conservative would, would latch on and, and, and go that route. I think, is he on Daily Wire? I think he is on the Daily Wire, which is Ben Shapiro's outfit. Oh. I think. I could be wrong, but continuing on this story on Gateway Pundits. Sebastian outright admitted that he was aware that, quote, monkeypox was an emerging issue, especially for gay men, and yet he had sex with multiple men anyways because he believed that the number of cases in the city was not very high. I was aware that monkeypox was an emerging issue, especially for gay men, but I was also under the impression that the number of cases in the city was relatively small. Sebastian told The Guardian, What I didn't understand was how absolutely dismal testing capacity was. At that point, the city only had the capacity to process 10 tests a day. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to do this because it's a, it's a quote from Sebastian. So Sebastian says that he had sex with several guys over the weekend. Then a week later on Ju 1 July, I started feeling very fatigued. I had high fever with chills and muscle aches, and my lymph nodes were so swollen they were protruding two inches out of my throat. <laughs> I don't know if that was the monkeypox. Instead of taking responsibility for his own irresponsible actions, Sebastian blamed the government for how poorly it, was, it has handled this situation. More from The Guardian. Goodness. After I went home, the rest started spreading, and I began to feel anxious. I developed lesions literally everywhere. <laughs> Is that cool or no? Is that acceptable? They started out looking like mosquito bites before developing into pimply blisters that would eventually pop, then finally scab before leaving a scar. I had them on my skull, on my face, my arms, my legs, my feet, my hands, my torso, my back. Why don't you just say your whole body, jackass? And five just on my right elbow. At the peak, I had over 50 lesions, a fever of 103, and intense pain prompting a panic attack. Ironically, the only place I didn't have lesions was this nether regions. This goes from bad to worse. The next day, I got my STI results, said Sebastian. Positive for gonorrhea, but no word yet on monkeypox. That's when I developed hives everywhere on my body from my neck down, as well as a headache, arthritis pain in my fingers and shoulders, and a strange pain in my shin bone that got so painful I couldn't stand up. At night, I would wake up going crazy with both pain and itching from the lesions and hives just sitting up in bed and scratching myself. I was isolated, lonely, and frustrated with how unfair the situation was. I was clearly very sick, yet had to cobble together a care plan on my own. My anorectal lesions... Your what? Anorectal lesions? Google it. So <laughs> <laughs> we know what this is. I mean, it sounds like I'm it's... I'm not going to Google it. You know where it... Okay. Turned into open wounds. It felt like I had three fissures right next to each other, and it was absolutely excruciating. I would literally scream out loud... When I went to the okay, well there you go. When I went to the bathroom, even keeping the area clean, like washing myself, was extremely painful. It was a two-hour process each time. Uh, dude, grin and bear it, dude. 
Four days after my test, I got a call from urgent care that I had tested positive for monkeypox, but they gave me no information beyond that. So I started calling around to see how I could get access to the antivirals. I knew the CDC had put out a guidance around who should be considered for treatment. And that included people who had anorectal lesions, lesions in the throat, and derm dermatological conditions, which I did. This whole thing just feels like a huge failure that should not have been allowed to... God. Come on, man. It should not have been allowed to happen, especially not two and a half months into the outbreak. What, what, I mean, what, what standard should they, I mean. Do you think this is a sign that two men should not be having sex? I would come to that conclusion extremely fast. In fact, I came to that conclusion well before I read this. It yeah. just seems like a bad idea. Yeah. It seems like God intended that when he made man and woman instead of man and man. Mm. So go ahead and send us your comments and call us. Oh, <laughs> but wait, there's more. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm taking my earphones off. If someone like me who has worked in sexual health for a long time had such a hard time navigating care, I can't imagine other people doing it. I know several people who are just sitting at home in agonizing pain because they're not getting the support they need. I'm pretty worried that we're close to the point that there's going to be another endemic disease, especially among gay men. If we haven't passed that point already, I'm worried we'll be stuck with it forever. According to the CDC, the first case of monkeypox in the U.S. this year was recorded on May 18th. The CDC knew that the virus was spreading among gay men, but they did little to stop it. The Gateway Pundit previously reported that New York City is now the epicenter of the monkeypox outbreak, which accounts for 30% of all U.S. cases. There are now 900 cases of monkeypox in the city, which is more than 31% of the recorded cases of monkeypox per the CDC, New York Health said in a statement. New York City is the epicenter of the monkeypox outbreak in the U.S. and yet does not have sufficient vaccine supply to reach the number of people who need it to protect themselves. Or just stop having sex with guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you that, yeah, you would think. You would think. But it, I, it apparently, they just can't stop. They like both jobs. Seven peeps, seven dudes in one event, pride event yeah. thing. Seven guys. Yeah. You, you, not one, not two. You couldn't keep it at two. You couldn't even keep it at three. You know, I mean, I gotta go through this. Four. Your limit's four. No, four is not enough. You gotta be kidding me. Four. Come on. Now you're a hoe. Five. It's gotta be the limit. Five. Five was not the limit, Sebastian. Seriously, are you kidding me? Six. You had sex with six dudes. It was the Still bar. more. No, God, I think it was more. It was even more. Seven. Seven guys, and you're probably lying. It was probably double that. He was eating bottom-friendly meals, so he was ready to go. <laughs> See, I was about to make a comment like that, too. Bottom-friendly diet. Uh-huh. Oh, my Very goodness, good. dude. Okay, we got we to gotta move on. This is that's a, That is awful. Yeah. Why'd you make me read that? Who picked that? Goodness. But that's horrible. Let's tie it in. We're not done yet. Now we're on Breitbart. Monkeypox strikes two children on opposite coasts of the U.S. After infecting nearly 3,000 people in the United States, two children have now contracted the monkeypox virus. The two children, an infant and a toddler, were on opposite coasts of the U.S. when diagnosed. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, disclosed the news that two children became infected with monkeypox this week. The Washington Post reported, 
She added that the two cases are unrelated and occurred in California and Washington, D.C. Walensky reports the infections could be the result of household transmission. The two cases involved a toddler in California and an infant in Washington, D.C., she said. The infant is traveling with a family who are not residents of the United States. During the interview with the Post, Walensky added that the two cases linked to households from the men who have sex with men community. Investigations are ongoing to understand the connections to that community. Both of these children are traced back to individuals who come from men who have sex with men community. Walensky told the newspaper in a virtual interview why both children have monkeypox symptoms that are in good health. Director Walensky said she added that the children are receiving antiviral treatments for the disease. So are these homosexual men that have been allowed to adopt children? That's what it sounds like. Maybe they had Dave Rubin test tube kids. I don't know. Another reason why they don't need to have kids. Yeah. So I don't know how, what the, what entails the transmission of monkeypox, but I thought that it was transmitted through sex. Well, I've also read that it can be transmitted through touching and like clothes and, and different thing, things like that as well. But it's predominantly spreading through homosexual, homosexuals. Yes, yes, I know. Yes. All right, well, moving on. Let me peruse my itinerary. Oh, this is uh, Buford's story. We're on the Western Journal. Seems to be one of your favorites. Seems like it's your go-to. The Western Journal? Yes. Yeah, I actually... I'm a fan of the Eastern Journal myself. East Coast for life. East Coast? Yes. Uh, I found this through uh, the Jerusalem Post, actually, too. Crayola, what, what's the headline on the Western Journal here? Disgusted parents are suddenly boycotting Crayola as company turns sickeningly non-kid-friendly. Crayola is under fire after angry parents protested the crayon manufacturer for pushing transgender propaganda in the marketing of its children's art products. The brouhaha erupted after the company used transgender activist Julian Gavino, a woman who identifies as a man, to shill its crayons. So, like, what's the purpose of them? Why... Do this. I, I have no idea. I, I have no answer for that. I, I am, have often wondered why on earth people have prostrated themselves to this transgender nonsense. I don't understand it. For reference, the target market for Crayola is, age, is children ages 2 to 10, so parents' concerns that the company is trying to brainwash kids with pro-trans nonsense are not baseless. On Saturday, Crayola aggressively promoted Gavino, a.k.a. the disabled hippie, on its Facebook and Instagram pages to celebrate Disability Pride Month and hailing the transgender advocate as a pioneer, Crayola said it hoped barraging the public with her images, its images, would normalize trans bodies in the fact. So there you go. There's your reasoning behind it. You asked why they would do it. This is why they would do it. Hoped barraging the public with her images would normalize trans bodies in the fashion world. It's something that's marketed to two to 10 year olds. How would that, how would you even draw that correlation? The crayon maker posted three photos of Gavino on its social media pages. One showed a bearded Gavino wearing thigh high black hooker boots and chandelier earrings, along with a bizarre chain bra covering 
It's a it's a male that identifies as a female, correct? It's his breast. Another female identifying as a male. Yeah, so his breast then, his chest, whatever. Another depicted a bearded Gavino sporting a leopard print jumpsuit while he straddled a wheelchair and flirtatiously touched a braided ponytail. I'm having to change this vernacular because I can't I can't use their quote unquote pronouns. The third publicity photo showed a clean shaven and a black jacket wearing lipstick and red nail polish. So let's have a look here at the disabled hippie. So wait a minute. This this was a biological what again? Female. Okay, so Julian Javino, he, him, is a fashion model writer and identifies. Why, why is it saying he, him, then, if it wants to be a female? It's just so confusing to me. I know it. Reverso, are you uh, are no you on idea. board? Are you started out as a female, identifying as a male? That's so this is a been. biological female. Yes. yes. Oh, okay. I was confused. It looks like a dude. That's yeah. That's the goal. It has a beard. This is weird. Yeah, nice work, Crayola. Are there any other brand crayons? If there's not, we Rose, need to start some. Rose Art. Well, there you go. But they're generic. What are That's, they? They're called Rose Art, but they're crap. Well, so is Crayola. Yeah. Surely it can't be any worse than this. Yeah, and there's that. And then we've got a little extra. we got a little extra for you today. We are now leaving... This week, and which is usually our in segment this week in cross-dressing idiot, confused, moral, pervert, Democrat, not John Wackos, and just going into a new bonus segment of random things. This is uh, this is satire from a website called The Glorious American. Satire for the right and the wrong. Reverso is going to love this. Is all up in his alley. That's a great picture. Dot limit on monkey monkeypox diagnosis. You should see the other guy. <laughs> That was a genuine reversal laugh there, Rare. Ladies and gentlemen, take three. If there's one thing Americans hate, it's seeing members of the corporate media infected with ape-like STDs all over their faces. Sadly, that's exactly what happened to CNN's Don Powerbottom Lemon this weekend when he was diagnosed with monkeypox. Lemon addressed addressed his nine fans via Instagram Live despite his face melting off. As many of you know, I've contracted perhaps the most inclusive and equitable virus in the animal kingdom. And on my first try, too, he said, longtime fans know I've always told my dates when life gives you lemons, make love, and then make monkeypox ointment. So don't feel bad for me. You should see the other guy, or guys, I should say. I can tell you Stelter looks like the freaking Michelin man, the Michelin tire man right now. Even worse for lemon. CNN's HMO plan will only allow the flamboyant host to be treated by Dr. Jill Biden. In her bizarre Elmer Fudd voice, Dr. Jill reported on Lemon's status. Ah, yes, my widow white chicken is doing very well. Call all our monkey men. I'm sorry. Can all our monkey men heal up in time for the midterms? See, say, Podway. Update. Things may get worse for Lemon after it was learned he has filed a trademark for Lemonade's. I did it. I made it. Try number four. Got it done. Very good. Oh. Next. Okay, and so this is just two two videos, uh, both of Matt Gates, and uh, 
the first will be from a comp that that same conference I referenced earlier with the the fake Nazis outside the Democrat shields. So here is just a little piece of one of his speeches I thought was brilliant. And then we'll we'll roll from there. Have you watched these pro-abortion, pro-murder rallies? Actually, stop. The people. What's what's the one? There's is there there's one more right? The one below it is where he woman just said says, her adopted. Okay, okay. Uh, I had one other thing. The woman, the woman who said her adopted son. I wanted to do. I want to do that and then do this. And so this is kind of a, a random one. Um, I just enjoyed it. And again, this is more of a comedic relief section. So this was actually a a a news a local news affiliate in the greater Los Angeles area. And apparently there was a shooting at a baseball game, and uh, this woman's son got shot. So it's pretty sad. She was tore up about it. So let's just give it a listen. Avenue at Peck Park here in San Pedro. Now I want to bring in Monique Howard. You said your adoptive son was shot. Can you come this way? Yes, sir. What did you know? What have officials told you? Well, officials called and said for me to come and check on my biological son. That's the whole reason I came down here. But literally, it just was a massacre. So, and, and your son was not affected, but my adopted son died. Oh my God, I'm so sorry to hear that. From the, I don't know for sure, but that's what I've been told. And you haven't been able to get a hold of him? No, I'm on my way now to go to the hospital and find out the, you know. So he's just not picking up calls? You haven't tried? No, 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 no. We have a big, big family from Compton. I'm from Compton. So this is a Compton massacre. Just to hear that a gunfight would break out at a picnic, uh, this was at a car show, there were families, there were it children. It wasn't a car show, sir. It was a baseball game. That's it. At Peck Park. That's it. Just to hear something like that would happen on a Sunday afternoon. Well, when you're dealing with different hoods, what do you expect? because it's the weekend and I don't know. I can't speak for everybody else, but I'm from Santana Block Crip, so it's gonna do what it do. Well, I hope your adoptive son is okay. No, he doesn't. But I heard that he passed. She doesn't care either, because she wasn't (laughs) even going down to check on him. (laughs) She threw the Crips. (laughs) She did the Crips kicks. You caught that, right? She did the yeah. game sign. Okay. Yeah. And look at her mouth. Oh, man. That's beautiful. So, hey, it's the weekend. What do you expect? We're uh, just going to shoot each other a little bit, I guess. I mean, what What do you expect to... Well, it's a baseball game. I'd expect to play some... Baseball. I would expect some hot dogs, some popcorn, and... Some nine millimeters. Yeah. Uh, all right. Here's the last one, folks. This is Matt Gates at that... Uh, that um, Good. Gosh. Seminar that we, we what you enjoy this little new segment right? No, maybe. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I do. I just man. It's... So, uh, is that more comic? This no, this is great, dude. Uh, and 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 one of the things about it, dude, when I, when I was saying earlier that these things are just stupid, they should be addressed and handled as such. And, and I find this like sometimes it's a struggle here to know what's palatable and what's not, and. and you know, but if you don't exercise your right to free speech, dude, what good is it that you have it, dude? And it's, it's like anything that you exercise on your physical body. And so, dude, say what it is you need to say 
and but let let it fired off and let it rip, dude. And this is a beautiful thing. So this is Matt Gates at that conference, and uh, we'll we'll just let it speak for itself. Uh, as always, you can find us online at bcblpodcast.com. Email is info at bcblpodcast.com. True social is at Blue Collar Blacklisted Podcast. And if you've made it this far, the least you could do for this free show that you love and adore is uh, share, like, and subscribe, and we will see you next week. But this is Matt Gates, and this is two videos, so this will be what he said originally, and then there will be a retort. Uh, so check it out. Have you watched these pro-abortion, pro-murder rallies? The people are just disgusting. Like, why is it that the women with the least likelihood of getting pregnant are the ones most worried about having abortions? Nobody wants to impregnate you if you look like a thumb. These people are odious on the inside and out. They're like 5'2", 350 pounds, and they're like, give me my abortions or I'll get up and march and protest. And I'm thinking, march? You look like you got ankles weaker than the legal reasoning behind Roe versus Wade. A few of them need to get up and march. They need to get up and march for like an hour a day, swing those arms, get the blood pumping, maybe mix in a salad. Is it safe to say that based off of your comments, you're suggesting that these women at these abortion rallies are weight? Yes. What do you say to people who think that those comments are offensive? Be offended. Mm -hmm. That's too true for radio. No, you can't sing about it, they'll show you the door. Cause Nashville ain't got any balls anymore. They cast you aside, hope you'll tuck tail and leave. But you ain't ever met an old boy quite like me. Well, I'd rather be real than put on a fake show. But that's too true for radio.